wow, there's a lot more going on beyond material reality and what I have been taught. One practice that, that I've been using is my allegiance to silence. Oftentimes we'll get done with something that we're so happy we made it through and we're just like, yeah, no big deal. I do that all the time. I don't really want to get into any of that so much. Hello and welcome. So glad you're here. So happy to be joined today by Marissa Rada Wepner and a little bit about Rada. She's a mother, teacher, author, DJ, community organizer, life coach, podcaster, and an entrepreneur. Rada has taught yoga and meditation since 2002. She has used her graduate degree in transpersonal psychology and life coaching to bring a real-world mix of Eastern and Western spirituality and psychology to her teachings of self-empowerment and transformation. She's the co-director and producer of Yoga Fort for Tree Fort Music Festival. She is also a Nasara Yoga Institute Master Yoga Educator. She specializes in direct experience teachings of yoga, psychology, yoga history and philosophy, yin yoga, yoga nidra, meditation, and self-awakening yoga. Wow. Um, so much there. Radha, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Hmm. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Hmm. So I'd like to start by asking you this question. What matters to you? Well, the first thing that comes to mind, heart, is God. Hmm. I would say is a central that kind of colors everything else. And when I say God, I mean the feeling of presence and connection and divinity within myself. And then seeing that reflected out in the world, I guess it matters to me because I want to feel alive and connected to it internally again, so that it's also my, human material experience. Hmm. So there's, there's a part of you that wants to feel connected to this divine force. Is that, is that the way that you would say it? I want to be aware that it's there. And I feel like in material reality, we often forget or it gets clouded. And so it matters to me to try to do, to try to create the ground of being in which it can be felt. And then that's a mm. constant practice. Mm. I love that actually. I've had a, a few moments recently where the message has come very strongly that celebration is appropriate. Mm. Like this experience that we're having is so outstanding in so many ways that celebrating what it is feels like a very appropriate reaction. Uh, do you have that at all? And is that maybe a little bit of what you're talking oh, about too? Yeah, totally. You can celebrate it because you recognize that it's there and you're in it. And I think 
Um, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm doing now also this training through somatic experiencing, which is like a, a somatic psychology experience therapy. And they were talking about how when even you do something wonderful, right? Like you, they showed a video of like a, a guy skiing uh, like down this crazy mountainside and then the cliff came and then he had a parachute. He was like para, para skiing or whatever. Mm. And they get done and they land and everything works out great. And they're like, yeah, we did it. This is amazing. Woo-hoo! There was like that moment. And then the teacher of the course was like, oftentimes we'll get done with something that we're so happy we made it through. And we're just like, yeah, no big deal. I do that all the time. Mm. And we kind of, there's like an energy of like downplay instead of like, yes, how wonderful. And I think we do kind of dampen ourselves and just being like, yeah, <laughs> we made it. Like a cheer, you know, like when you do the touchdown and they celebrate, that's part of like the human energetic expression that we have learned to quiet. Yeah, or being conditioned about? to be humble. Like, like again, like, oh, no big deal. Like, yeah, I did that. Right. There's something about uh, our culture, the social influence that, that causes us to, to quiet that, uh, maybe the, the inner desire to celebrate. Mm-hmm. 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 Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, a false humility or a, like, the, the, the teaching of like, well, you're not important and you're not special and you don't matter. Don't make any noise. Don't pull any attention towards yourself. Just keep on going. So then even when we have those ecstatic moments, we let them go by without the full burst. Mm. Yeah. I, it makes me think of wholeness, right? And like our path towards wholeness. I can say for myself, like, I have a desire to continue to move in that direction of wholeness. So if I'm feeling whole, then I don't really need to doubt my, uh, my impulses, right? Because if I'm whole, like I'm totally just confident or it's not even really confident. It's just sure that this is the way that I am. So however I'm going to operate in a way is appropriate because I'm whole mm-hmm. and this is just how I was created and this is how I'm here. Um, yeah, do you, do you feel that at all, that, that moving in the direction of wholeness then maybe get, allows us to express ourselves more freely? I think that it does. And we certainly want to be accepted more for our authentic self or even like not accepted for our authentic self than accepted for a self that's not authentic to who we are. Like, why would I rather be accepted for a false self than my authentic self. But I think in like regards to, let's say just celebration again, I think we culturally cue too. Like I'm going to pretend like this isn't a big deal for me because I think you're going to say it's not a big deal for you. Like, do you have those people in your life that are like, I don't celebrate anniversaries or I don't like holidays or. Yeah, of course. I mean, I do it myself sometimes too. I would say. Yeah. And what's that about? Yeah. I think it depends on what the subject is. 
like, I don't know if, if even celebrating like myself feels like the most important thing to me, like, that's fine. That's okay. But more like celebrating the experiences we're having and the stuff that we get to do that lights me up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's some resistance around celebrating yourself. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's an interesting thing to dig into. You know, if you wanted for me personally, like I, my birthday is at the end of February, it's February 27th. So February 1st happens and I'm like, it's my birthday month. <laughs> and all month long I use it as an excuse to just do the things that I would want to do anyways yeah I love that you say that actually so it seems that there's two there's kind of two uh viewpoints here like one is totally being focused on the self and embracing this being that I am and the other one wants kind of me to get over myself and not to really focus much on that and wants me more to um, just not be so concerned with what and who I am more concerned with like what, what I'm going to do and what I can do. Yeah. Uh And other people. Yeah. I think maybe for me, the path would be not either or because you began by saying, isn't life amazing and beautiful and what a miracle it is. And that includes you and a human body and your skin suit and your persona and your personality and your life. It includes you. It includes that your soul, however you want to define it, has this vehicle for the sensory experience to bring the merging of spirit into matter and to know it. You're included. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is like, I, I love that, that I'm included and I, I feel that. Right. And what I think is cool is just that I'm this being that gets to move about and do all of these different things that I really want to celebrate, but like the persona of who I am, Uh, especially I think like the difference is in comparison maybe with other people and like taking up space, right? Because we live in community with with each other. And so I'm always mindful of how much space am I taking Mm -hmm. up and allowing Mm -hmm. other people Mm -hmm. to have that space too. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the navigation there. Totally. Because it's not your birthday month every month. It's not your birthday every day. And, you know, in some moments you want others to rise and shine and you don't want to feel like the like the like energy suck in the room or the like you know the boisterous like look at me kind of person so it's a balancing act mm. you know and i think maybe you can thread that needle by celebrating others too yeah yeah like i want to celebrate others i want to celebrate all of us and the experiences that we're having I just, I don't want to fall into, it seems like it's a trap of like ranking better and worse. And they kind of seem to rub up against each other a little bit there. Mm. Where's the ranking, the ranking from person to person or life experience to life experience? Hmm. I like that question. Um, when you say life experience, like ranking how good our experiences are compared to one another. Yeah. Yeah. 
or like this moment's better because it is a celebration and this moment's less because it is, you know, making the bed. Yeah. Like I don't really want to get into any of that so much because it's then, then it's always chasing, right? That's attachment. And we could go to, I, like, I, I would, I would kind of disagree. I would say that some moments, moment calls for celebration and some moments call for just like tranquility mm. and some moments um, call for like feeling suffering and some moments call for taking care of your bodily needs. And so you're just, what is this moment? What's the aspect of this moment? I love that. Uh, and I'm totally, and I'm totally with you. I think, Obviously, that's that's appropriate. We feel that, like our intuition tells us what's appropriate moment to moment. My point was, it's like I don't want to be too attached to the moments that, like maybe, I really like or or have less suffering mm -hmm. or are less challenging, right? And I guess when I say celebration a little bit, isn't it like hoorah all the time? It's more of a awe and a wonder, which would encompass all the varying. Uh, mm -hmm. qualities of experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's like a sweeter essence. That's a sweeter feeling that even when you're having an argument with your beloved and you're losing, you can feel like <laughs> this is God too. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And actually that makes me, Think of a question I'd like to ask you in regard to patience when, when you're having these moments that, that are maybe more challenging. Um, yeah, you feel like you're, you're losing an argument or things are just not working out the way that you maybe wanted them to. How do you, how do you navigate being, being in that place? And is, is patience a way that, that you can do that? Just like kind of waiting for maybe the hard moment to pass. Yeah, I feel like because of my spiritual practices and my the times that I've touched into the truth of my being that is God, and I know that that doesn't change, even in the, these moments, like just this past Saturday a week ago, I got so upset at my daughter. She's 17, and one of her chores is to mow the lawn. And all week long, it was mow the lawn I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And Saturday night I was having friends come over and I wanted the grass to be mowed <laughs> because I didn't want to be embarrassed by high grass. And she kept telling me she was going to do it. And so Friday she's like, I'll do it Saturday, mom, I promise. I'm like, okay, well you have to. Saturday comes, she's like, I come over at four. I'm like, okay. And like three o'clock it's, I can tell it's going to rain. I'm like, can you come over earlier? She doesn't message me. Then she gets back to me. She's like, oh, sorry, I took a nap, and now it's raining. I'll come over tomorrow. And that's saying, like, I'll come over Sunday. And I was so pissed. I was so mad. I was so mad. <laughs> and I just had to allow myself to be in it. Like, I just sat on the couch and just felt like I was at, like, a 10 of 10, right? And it's just pissed so mad and I could feel like these inner urges too you know this isn't going to make me sound very good I'm just like 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 I had said to her like forget about it I'll do it myself 
kind of got to that and then I left it. But then I wanted to go back and be like, and this and this and this. And I could feel those things rising up <laughs> in me, but not doing any of those things because I don't, because I love her and she's my daughter and she's 17 and I forgive her. And I'm also really upset for feeling like, um, you know, you know, dealing with teenagers, man, can be just so hard. And anyways, so in those moments, I was so mad and just let myself be in it, not causing any extra damage. I was by myself. So I wasn't like, you know, more upset since things can escalate and even cried. I was just like, uh, like, just like pissed, broken. <laughs> and then you're in it and those waves pass, you know, and then you come out of it slowly. And then the next day I was like, wow, I was so mad yesterday. Look at that. And then the next day I was looking at some astrology and the astrologer was saying how, you know, things are lined up so that the sun is square this and that so that you're feeling things are amplified. And so often too, I kind of like to zoom out and not take it so personal. It's like what's going on globally that maybe it's like a larger field of pain that I'm tapping into that's being expressed in this moment. Like I'm so mad at my daughter or what's going on astrologically that this is just like the wave of the field that's coming through and this is how it's playing out in my life. And so then I also am able to, in a way, like depersonalize it and then I'm out of it. Is that helpful? I think so. Yeah. And thanks for sharing a personal example. I can, I can tell that that's still raw a little bit and it's great because it is very real. <laughs> Um, makes me think of so this mad. idea, <laughs> this idea that, that I want to run by you. And, and it is like our relationship with time and our own choices. Okay. So, and what made me think of it is when you said like, I didn't only want to text her that one line about, okay, I'll do it myself. I wanted to say so many more things, right? It's like, I felt myself mm -hmm. in that moment with you <laughs> And, and that like the, the decision to like, oh, do I say this and this and that? Do I not say anything? Like the possibilities are endless. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And, and so one has been like one of my, my just practices that I hold the most dear is faith that whatever I decide is going to be the right thing. Hmm. And I forget that a lot. <laughs> But when I remember and, and I believe it, because I do believe it, no matter what. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful to have that kind of trust. And I also feel like for myself, like in that moment when I was so mad, when we get triggered, you know, we're often reverting to like a, like a more childlike part of ourself, right? And so it's like the childlike part of me who wants to throw a fit or be mad or angry. And I have to recognize that that I have a choice there where I could like lean into that and again, be in more immature for lack of a better word, or just like feel all the heats and the anger and the urges without acting on it. And so there's a little bit of like tapas, you know, like a little bit of willpower mm. that I'm enacting in order because I know better. 
Well, part of me knows better. Right. And my, my question a little bit is, is the part of you that knows even better than that a part of you that says, I'm allowing you to either, you know, revert back to that childlike self. That's okay too. And I'm allowing you to also enter the tapasya and handle it maybe differently than I ever have before. I'm allowing either of those options and all options to be okay. Mm-hmm. And my question well, I is, think we're, yeah, go ahead. What, what happens then when I give myself that allowance, like that sense of, of lightness, then what is the result of that perspective? Well, it helps me to remember that we're all going to graduate. Like we're all going to get there in our own time that we can't ever fall out of it, which is love or God. Like that's the base of everything. And it can get close to the edge. Krishna and I were just talking about this. It can be like 4951, but 51 will always be love. And so it allows me to have more compassion, I guess, and surrender and trust. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think as a human, especially within our modern culture, there's a very, very, very strong urge and desire to get it right, to accomplish a lot, to not make mistakes, to win. And so then in this framework that you're speaking of, it feels like there's more time. Like I don't have to get it right now Mm. for whatever right is. I think that's, that's right. And that's why, yeah, I said it's like a relationship with, with time and like a trust in the unfolding. And that's going back to what we're talking about, like with our persona, right. And, and kind of that trap of getting so immersed in like who I am and how valuable I am. Because when I go to that place, like I worry like, well, what does it say about me if I get angry? You know, like, what does that mean about me? Oh, I'm not as developed as maybe I was telling myself that I was. (laughs) It means that you have human emotions. I don't feel like on the spiritual path, your emotions go away. I think how we deal with them and how we feel them gets better, you know, and they, and they almost become in a way more childlike. Like if you think of a child, they cry and they cry. And then 10 seconds later, they're laughing and they're beyond the thing that they were crying about. Like they don't hold on to stuff. Children don't hold grudges. Most typically it's like moment to moment, emotional expression. And we can get back to that where it's like, this is the emotion that's arising. And then the next one, and then the next one. Yeah. Observing. And, and, and yeah, observing. And to be, let's say, spiritual or evolved or whatever, I think includes all of the human experience. It, 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 it like, your spiritual practices just lets you feel more authentically and know what's truly yours, what's truly um, related to the present moment. Cause often when we get triggered, it's we're everything around us is fine and perfectly safe, but inside we don't feel safe, for example. 
And so then you're able to like inner resource of like, okay, I've just gotten pulled out of the moment and I'm feeling hyper vigilant or I notice myself shutting down. I can now I'm aware that these things are even happening to me. What do I need? How can I help myself through this? Maybe it's going on a walk. Maybe it's drinking a glass of water. Maybe it's sitting by myself quietly for a moment and taking some breaths. Maybe it's saying my mantra. Maybe it's doing some yoga. But all I know is that I'm not in my normal relaxed awareness state. Something has ping-ponged me. Hmm. So that's, that's the thing that I guess that I would look at. Not that I don't have emotions or get angry, but how do I, how do they get expressed and how do I deal with them or how do I share them? One thing that you said that I really liked was, you know, what do I need like right now? Um, so I'm curious if you've played it all with kind of the relationship with yourself and maybe viewing yourself in the third person, right? So like this idea that I'm Avi's safekeeper, you're Rada's safekeeper. So because you're Rada's mm-hmm. safekeeper, it creates this kind of distance. And, and now you're viewing yourself and saying, okay, like what does she need? And what is the mm-hmm. effect of that, that distance? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I have a human body that I need to care for. And I have had to learn, even as an adult, simple things like, you need to eat right now. This is your window to feed your body instead of like not, you know, or overlooking the signals of hunger or the signals of thirst, like recognizing that within myself. When I feel like an urge that I need something, I'll sometimes stop and it's like, oh, it's water. I'm just thirsty. And I have to recognize that and make myself a glass of water and then drink something. And so it's almost like, I'm going to drink now. It's kind of like that. And so my body, it's like a car, you know, it's a vehicle. And I want to take care of it. And the more that I take care of it, you know, like our yoga practices, right? Like I tr- I'd often describe that to my students as like brushing your teeth, we brush our teeth every morning and night. Like why we would not move our body and clear out our energy throughout the day. Yeah. Because when we don't, we start to feel dense and crusty and depleted. And then we're like, I don't know why I feel so crappy. I don't know why I'm just angry or irritable, you know? And you might just be, you need to do a downward dog or a forward fold. Right. And I think this, like looking at ourselves in t- terms of w- what do we need, I feel like we can be a lot more successful then because we're, we're not like in it. And again, like saying, what does this mean about myself that I'm in this bad place? It's, it's more of like solution oriented. Like, what, do, what do I need? Right yeah. Now? Yeah. I don't need to psychoanalyze it. I, 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 when I've gotten, when I, when I like, let's say use anger, for example, again, when I'm angry at my partner, maybe let's say, and then it's like, why I'm so mad at you for all these reasons. And then I, even if I go back, it's like, because of this in my childhood and that, 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 that's all fine. But it also kind of feels just like a mental spiral 
right? Instead of just the fact of like, I feel angry right now. I'm feeling it in my body. I'm allowing myself to feel it in the heat and the tightness in my body. And then I'm there with it. And then I want, not, not that I want to push it away, but I kind of want to clear it. And it is a very body experience for me versus mental understanding. Because I want to I wanna get the feeling in my body back to like light and neutral, if that makes sense. 100%. I, I don't think the body can be overstated really, like the importance of it. That, that when our bodies don't feel good, our thoughts aren't going to be as good either. And so often like mm-hmm. that can be a really great solution. What is, what does my body need right now? And then, Oh, mm-hmm. right. Exercise. It's mm-hmm. like every single time, if you exercise mm-hmm. most likely afterwards, mm-hmm. any kind of exercise, you're going to feel mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Or a hug mm. or playing with your dog. Yeah. Yep. You mentioned before, uh, don't remember the exact words, but something about tuning into your, like the truth of your God nature, like that mm-hmm. is you. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, was, was there like a process of coming to that place? Of, like believing that like the nature of what I am is also God was, was there some, some time when you were like, well, no, I can't call myself that. God, you mean? I can't call myself yeah. God? Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't, but I am it at the same time. And is your question like, when did I first feel that within myself? Yeah, and just kind of the process of, of coming to the place where you're at now, where you can kind of refer to the essence of what mm. you are to be a part of, of that. Was there a process of coming to that place? Yes. I would say, you know, my first psychedelic experience when I was 15 gave me the, the, that gave me the experience that, wow, there's a lot more going on beyond material reality and what I have been taught in like a Roman Catholic upbringing up to this point. And then I, I then started my quest to understand what is the nature of reality and what does it mean to be human? Because now I don't understand anymore because of what I experienced in a psychedelic journey. And then that was like 1995. There were, I had no mentors and no teachers and no books and no guidance and no way to integrate. And integration wasn't even a word that we used. I just felt really lost and broken and confused and curious. And so I was on my own journey to, again, to integrate, but I didn't have that word and to understand. And then five years later, it took me five years to find yoga. And I found yoga through that desire to understand the nature of myself and reality. And it was my yoga practice that gave me then, it was like the doorway opened one into my body and into myself where I'd never been embodied. Like I wasn't athletic or sporty or had touched my toes or anything like that and was quite dissociated from the needs of my body even. And so then yoga did many things. Like it helped me to feel my body, to love my body, to be in my body, 
And then I was also witnessing through my practice how my state of being was changing just through doing poses, which I thought was really curious. Like all I'm doing is stretching my body, but I can see myself becoming calmer and choosing better habits. And I'm not trying to be calmer, trying to choose better habits, but that's, I'm noticing that happening while I'm beginning this practice. So that was really inviting and curious to me and exciting and hopeful. And then I would say through more psychedelic journeys that were were more held and grounded than when you have those lived experiences of them and then transcendental experiences like you can have in kirtan chanting or pranayama, you know, where you kind of break through the veil. Mm. And when you experience yourself as all that is, you know, it's, it's like a lived experience of what all the books talk about and all the scriptures talk about. So then you're like, oh, I just, now I know that that's true. When I, when I say we're all one, I can say it. But then when I experience it, that's a layer of wisdom versus knowledge of just knowing intellectually. And I think you only have to experience that once to know that that's true. I love I love this image of breaking through the veil, whatever it is that we're breaking through. And the word freedom comes to me from that lived experience that you're talking about, like just to feel free, like, wow. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And expansive and ecstatic and blissful. (laughs) Yeah, And that's what I say a little bit, I think, when I talk about like kind of getting over myself in that kind of a way, because I think like that's what's happening. Like that's the part that's just like breaking away and opening up into this freedom where it's just, I'm, I'm so tired of being concerned with what Avi is, you know, hmm. who he is on that, hmm. on that one level. Yeah. And to get there, you have to surrender. Like I'm thinking of these moments I've, had in kirtan enchanting practices where you know i don't know about you and your circumstances but for me like i'm the one that loves kirtan and my friends or my partners could kind of care less like they haven't tapped into it the way that i have so i have to one make a decision where if a kirtan is happening i'm gonna go and sit down and chant and you might not come with me so I'm doing it on in a solo experience, but though I might be surrounded by others. And then I'm tuning into the words and the sound and the vibration, and I have to give all of my attention to it. Everything, like all the other outer distractions of like, should it, what are they doing over there? The FOMO here, or I'm thirsty, or I need to get up, or this is boring, or when am I gonna get there? What's the thing? All of that has to fade away into me just listening and fully absorbing in it. And then the me that's even trying to do it, then that me disappears. And then those are those God moments. So it's like when I can take all of me and focus all of me and then all of me goes away. That's amazing. That's the best. An inquiry for me too is like, are these moments actually happening a lot more than, than we tend to realize? 
I think they happen. I was just wrote about this this morning. I had a dream about this last night. I had a dream last night that I was teaching on the nature of infinity and what wasn't infinity. And in the dream, it was in every moment that you're fully immersed in the moment is an infinite moment. And in, in infinity, it's a moment of all pervading oneness, never ending, which also is the definition of God. So in any moment that you're fully present, whether internal or external, it's in infinity. And in those moments, counter to that, like when I'm in a moment and I'm scrolling on my phone or I'm talking to you, but I'm also checking an email or like when I, in a moment where there's multiple things happening, that's a finite moment I'm, that I'm like out of God mm -hmm. alignment. I'm a little, I'm just scattered. My energy is more dispersed. But in any moment that I choose to be fully present, I'm in it. Just like in those chant moments. I feel like that's what it's all about. Like, and I think it can be practiced too. That's from my experience. Like the more I have that single pointed focus of just being in the moment, resting, resting in, in the flow of the unfolding, the more that I do that and go to that place, the easier it is to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The easier it is to go. And I don't know about you, but in my meditation practice, the thing that pulls me out of it most is my mind going into the future of, mm. I want to do this next, or I should do this next, or I need to plan this next, or what if I also did this? And I'm sitting and trying to meditate in my mind. It's so silly. Like it even like makes up stories while I'm trying to meditate of like in the future, how I could do this better and offer it with other people. It's like seeing like a class in the future or something like that. And I'm like, this is so ridiculous. Cause just you're like meditate. Come on, come on right back here. Just this, just this, like the planning mind is so strong. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's so strong. I would say, yeah, the the survival mind, it wants to protect us. Um, and you know, that moment that you're talking about of 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 observing yourself, planning the future when you're while I'm meditating, right? while you're meditating. <laughs> but this is what happens, right? This happens with all of us. With it, future oh, planning over and over again and again. So my question is, you know in that moment, are you able to come back? And what helps you to come back in that moment? How do you yeah. come back? I, I have a new technique that I've been using, which is a common technique. And we've had described to us in many ways through many teachers is my, I make it really simple. So instead of getting into any kind of story, I can either recognize where my mind has gone to as a desire or an aversion. If I'm planning about the future, it's usually a desire right? Some kind of something I'm wanting. So I'll just say desire. And then I say, just this, just this. That's what I do. Mm. I'll catch it. Give it that desire or aversion label. The aversion is the thoughts about what I don't want to have happen or what I wish didn't happen. And then the phrase, just this. Mm. I love that. 
just this right now. Mm-hmm. That's a Ram Das teaching. He says that just this. And that, it just helps me. I just feel myself get right here again. Yeah. One practice that that I've been using is my allegiance to silence. (laughs) When I say that, I mean it's like a continued like falling in love with silence and that space. And I notice that my mind will try to challenge that allegiance to no thought, so to speak, or no thought or or silence. And it'll challenge it by trying to come up with like the best, most important thoughts that it could come up with. Right. And that'll be happening oh, yeah. during my med- meditation. Because like this is such a valuable thought. Like, you know, I have to write it down, I have to remember it, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and so my practice has been just cutting the thought. I don't even need to think about it anymore. Just like cut the thread of the thought, like immediately, like chop, chop. That's it. (laughs) My, my mind does the same thing. I have a slightly different practice where I say to myself, cause it'll be juicy and the answer and the everything. And I say, if this thought is really important, I'll remember it when I'm not meditating. Mm. And I I let it go. I need a little bit of that faith because sometimes I feel like now I, I won't remember it. Like it'll be so important no, tell and it's gone you forever. <laughs> no, tell yourself you will. Tell yourself you will. Cause it wants you to feel how important it is. And that's the allure of it is the importance of it. So you just say, if this is really that important, I'll remember it. And I'm yeah. not meditating. Right. Gone. Right. I trust in that. Cause it requires me to trust too. Because then you you could say like, well, is that true? Will you really? I'm like, well, I just claimed it, so I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust. I'm trusting. Mm. I love that. Okay, I have one more question I want to ask you, um, and that is about love and your relationship with love. Um, is that a practice for you? And is that something that you're noticing is is changing all the time? Um, kind of just experiencing this sensation of being in love? Yeah, I'm a bhakti. I'm a bhakti yogi. And that's the path of devotion and love. And my loving relationship with the other, with the beloved, whether it's Hanuman or Krishna or Ram or Ramdas or Maharaji or Paramahansa Yogananda or Guadalupe or the earth or the cosmos or my real life partner, my children. Yes, because it's a feedback loop that if we know God is love and we want to be with God, we were with God by being love, by offering that love, by offering that devotion, by offering my attention. My attention is my currency. And I give my attention to those things that I love. You know, like my partner, he knows, he, you know, he kind of loves it when I give him my attention because it feels good. And just like, I want to receive attention from my beloved and that feels good. I give my loving attention and devotion and practices and energy and effort to God in its many forms. And when I do that, it fills me up. 
So it's like God is in me when I'm loving, when I'm loving my relationship with God. It's the, the path of bhakti. You get to be with God already. It's not like you're going to be with him at some other point. It's right now. And the more that I give my devotion and love, it kind of makes the portal grow bigger and bigger until it's just all the time. It's mm. all the time. Not all the time, like those angry moments, I guess, but most of the time. I, I live and breathe feeling like I'm in love with life and so grateful. Mm. I'm so grateful. So grateful. <sighs> and so grateful to be able to just have the time and the space to feel that and to have those practices. You know, so grateful that I can wake up in the morning and play the harmonium and chant and meditate and do RT with my beings around me and have this conversation with you and teach yoga and eat good food and have a home that I love. And I feel like um, I had this quote the other day too, that was like, if God made the whole entire universe and everything in it, of course God can take care of me and my family. Like that's not some kind of big feat to be able to care for me because God can do everything and is everything. And I just want to be, the, the more that I trust in that, the more that it just compounds and it's true. Mm. So yes, yeah. It's, I'm leading a weekend on bhakti yoga next weekend, May 14th through the 16th. It's the first time I've ever led a whole training just on bhakti. I usually just kind of spread it out with everything else, but it's, it's my favorite. Mm. It's my favorite. And I want to share it more. So it's a little bit of an edge for me because it makes it's new. It's new to teach it to others because it's been really just something I do in my own life. But because it's been so profound for me and so impactful, I feel like it could be for others also. And I just want to share kind of open some gateways for my students of how to attune to that more in their own life and what that could look like. Like hmm. my sense is that it will. I hope so. I love it. I love, I love Bhakti. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love what you said about, attention being currency. I never considered that before. I think that's really wonderful. That's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. There was a Hopi elder I was with a long time ago and he was, he said in his, all of his stories, he said, if God is everything and God has everything and God knows everything, God is all the omnis. What could you possibly give God if God already has everything? And the answer is your attention. Mm. Mm. I think so too. Like that makes me think of gratitude and like nature or God. I feel that they're the same thing in my mind. You mm. know, like you said, it provides such abundance. <laughs> uh, and the only thing that I think it, if it had a request, if 
it did have a request, maybe it doesn't have any requests, but did, if it did have a request, it would just be to be thankful, to just say thank you. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Pay attention to me. Say thank you. Say thank you. And that's in the bhakti devotional practices. It's just that, you know, you have your altar and you maybe have candles or flowers or prasad, like offering food. And that's all of that. It's just a way to say thanks. It's Mm -hmm. a way to say, thank you. I see you. We're in this together. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for this time and, uh, and really value the the essence of what you are, your your whole being. Um, it's special, <laughs> and uh, I feel like you actually like lifted me up a bit today. To be honest with you, like just oh. noticing it myself, which is really cool. Um, so I just was kind of like aware of that happening as we got going. Um, so I want to voice that. So thanks. Yeah, um, well, being in conversation, we're fortunate for it. I heard a clip on like NPR last night as I was driving home of like when was the last time you were in a really enriching conversation with somebody? And I thought to myself, I think I get to do that when I'm doing podcasts. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for yeah. podcasts. Cause well, it's a part of, you know, of we do what you were saying, time. you were, you're saying about attention. That's I mean, that's why I love it too, mm-hmm. because I think it's this, an example of that single focus, like right now, just right here. It's that's yeah. meditation. Yep. Yep. So thank you for the invitation to be present with you. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I wanted to ask if people want to get in touch with you, find out more about what you're doing, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. I've got a website, Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-A, Rada, R-A-D-H-A.com, MarissaRada.com. And then I'm on Instagram. I like to post on there. And that's my name, Marissa Rada Wepner. W-E-P-P-N-E-R. Those are kind of my main platforms, I would say. I guess I've got my podcast, Love Service Wisdom, that you could tune into. And then I've got a meditation album that's on all the streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Music called Guidance. And it's um, grounding and energy clearing meditations and a yoga nidra and a heart portal meditation and a track that's like an intro to meditation track. I'm on Insight Timer also, and I lead meditations on there. This Friday, today I did one for Ganesha, and I'm going to do one on Friday with the Maha Mantra, and then I'll keep doing those. So if anybody uses Insight Timer, those are all free too, which is nice. You can find me there. Or just, yeah, reach out. Happy to share in any way. Amazing. Celebration. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rada. Yeah, we together. did it. We did it. We're here. <laughs> Om Shanti. Om Shanti. Thanks, Avi. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this content and think others might as well, please feel free to share and subscribe.